Welcome to Tesseract Podcast, where we unlock your power to innovate. Hi, my name is Matt, and I'm going to be your host today. Tesseract's mission is to empower airmen, connect them to resources, and accelerate change across the Air Force logistics enterprise. Specifically, our team works as an innovation accelerator assigned to the Air Staff Logistics Directorate, where we partner with airmen to operationalize the new sustainment strategy. In today's episode, we had the opportunity to sit down with Lieutenant Colin Jadashik, better known as DZ on the team. DZ is the Chief of Advanced Manufacturing Strategy here at Tesseract. In today's episode, the objective is for you to learn what advanced manufacturing is. The key results for this podcast are for you to understand what advanced manufacturing brings to the Air Force, how you can easily get involved as an airman, and what advanced manufacturing can bring to the future fight. Let's dig into it. Let's do it, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, DZ, Matt, thanks for coming. Thanks uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's kick off the conversation here with uh, your background. Yep. Sure. Um, so, Well, first I have to mention, I know you are from Buffalo, New York. Yes, I am from Buffalo. That little Alaska is what I've heard it referred to as because <laughs> it's winter and then a little bit of spring, and that's pretty much the seasons there. The reason I mention that is because I know you're a Buffalo Bills fan. And yep. I'm wearing my Patriot shirt. Yeah, that is. Just, uh, it's all right, because this year uh, we destroyed you guys um, each time. Well, so. A broke clock is right twice a day. Yeah, so. I guess so. <laughs> There's that. All right, now continue. Sorry. Um, yeah, sure. So Buffalo, as you mentioned, is where I'm, where I'm from. Uh, I actually went to school uh, nearby, um, just east of that in Rochester, New York, at Rochester Institute of Technology. Went to school for uh, mechanical engineering technology. Um, where I did Air Force ROTC, and that's how I um, got on this path to commissioning into the Air Force uh, as a second lieutenant. So that's that's kind of a quick story. I guess before that, um, I actually worked back home at a, a hydraulic cylinder manufacturing company. Um, I learned a little bit of machining, CNC and manual, uh, machining and assembling hydraulic cylinders. So that kind of got me interested in engineering and like the design manufacturing aspects. Um, and I've always just been so interested in learning more and understanding um, how things work. And that's kind of what led me on this path to to engineering, the Air Force and a maintenance officer. Why'd you join the Air Force? So when I was very young, um, I always looked up on, on military members. Uh, my grandfather was in the Army, so that was a little bit of an inspiration. Just talking to him about his time inspired me. And then just being able to kind of be a part of something bigger than myself is really what's always kind of tuned my interest um, to things like that. So I decided, hey, didn't matter what branch at the time, I hadn't really decided, but I'd like to, you know, join the military. Uh, I almost enlisted out of high school. My guidance counselor was prior enlisted in the Army and kind of steered me towards doing the ROTC program. Um, so I took his advice and kind of that's where I ended up today. Good stuff, man. So for our listeners out there, uh, DZ and I have been in the Air Force for roughly the same amount of time. Yeah, you know, you've been in a couple of months uh, longer than I have. Um, so for someone without a machinist background, uh, a fabrication specialist background, um, how's the? How can you describe like additive manufacturing, subtractive manufacturing, and how all that plays into? 
uh, the components of advanced manufacturing, you know, holistically. Because I'm a I'm a metals tech troop, so it's easy for me to look at the the fabrication parts and like what you're saying. But uh, like let's say, you know, any other airman out there, um, or any other just listener period out there, how would you describe those how those components complement each other? Yeah, so I guess just to start with breaking it down, so our traditional sense that we're used to in in that environment is the subtractive piece. So say I have you know a piece of paper and I want to cut out a star. I'm going to grab my tools, my scissors, that piece of paper, and I'm going to you know, trace out a star, cut the star out, and then I'm going to have the rest of the piece of paper, honestly, is my waste that, that I don't need until I have my star. And my star is the, the piece or the component that, that I want to manufacture. Um, additive, on the other hand, which is why um, you can kind of start to see the benefits just in this description, is I want that star, but now I have... A bunch of little pieces of paper or the material and i'm only adding enough to just create the star to create that component so there's a lot of reduced waste and you just get your end component if that makes sense and i would say kind of that's how they complement each other where they both have their advantages and disadvantages um, but when you get into the additive realm there's you know very specific advantages that are traditional uh, subtractive just doesn't uh, add up to but then there's hybrid processes that use both um, does that kind of get a little bit into uh, what you were you were asking yeah absolutely for the listeners out there whenever you are milling a part or you you put it on a lathe where it spins the part whenever you're sitting there and you see metal shavings you know go everywhere or piles of metal everywhere that you can't reuse immediately yes it goes off and it gets recycled and, and repurposed and, and that's good um but if we're talking what's immediately uh usable in our supply chain like that that right there uh is a waste of material while it's still going to be reused it's a waste how can we immediately utilize those those resources or save those resources so that's like and, you know, th- those are like the little things that you think about when you're when you're fabricating parts, um, not just aircraft parts, but whether it's a local manufacturer, um, whether it's uh, age equipment. Um, you know, when we're talking advanced manufacturing, we're not just talking about aircraft parts. I, I think that's something else that, you know, we'll dig into as we go through this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And that gets into kind of the advantages and disadvantages of both. But back to what you were say, saying with the material, the waste. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it will be recycled. It can be reprocessed. Um, but think of it from the perspective of uh, operating in like an austere environment downrange where you really don't, you know, you have your limited resources and materials available to you. So you want to make the best and the most out of what you have. So with additive, if you're only, you know, using what you need, um, that's going to put you at advantage of, you know, then now you have all this waste material that your supply chain's cut off. What can you do with it? Mm-hmm. Um, so making the most out of what you have is definitely why additive manufacturing is being talked about mm-hmm. for, for these kinds of applications. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, I've seen those expeditionary uh, what do you call it? Like machinist shops? Have you seen like in Conex boxes? Yeah, and I know the DoD is doing a lot of of work trying to basically put like a manufacturing in a box where you can ship 
all these different machines uh, on pallets mm-hmm. and you know put them in wherever your forward operating base is and now you basically have like a mini um, manufacturing shop where you're producing parts at the point of need yeah yeah that's uh uh i find that just so cool like anywhere you need to be any fob you need to be at um any air base um forward deployed easy just just drop a machine shop and we can do the same thing now uh, at least the capability exists with advanced manufacturing whether yep. it's you know uh 3d printing etc you know we we have that capability uh to your point we can cut down the length of that supply chain significantly at the point of the end user. Right. And then I think another big component too with that is when you say we have the ability to make these parts, uh, the crucial component, and like I said earlier, the digital aspect of advanced manufacturing is actually having the data to be able to to utilize that advanced equipment. Um, so like typically you go off of, you know, from your 2D drawings, you you take your 2D drawings and you interpret that and then you do your manual process. Well, now if you're using these advanced techniques, uh, you're going to want that digitized already. So having that digital manufacturing data is crucial. And I think that's another step that we need to think and tie into our advanced and our additive efforts is, hey, we need the actual supporting data um, to be able to, to fully leverage these capabilities. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's... How can can we centralize that information? Yeah, so that's uh, I know a lot of different efforts um, have been made uh, to get towards that. I know at like a joint level and also down to like an Air Force level of building basically digital asset marketplaces that will be able to store and house this data securely, so that eventually when it is needed, it can be um, securely transferred and. Um, utilized at that point of need uh, to machine uh, said required part or print required part and not without going down like a a deeper path here that that security of that file is very important because that can be a point for them to take advantage of so we need to make sure it's secured and that the file cannot be manipulated um, in a negative way so say you know i'm an adversary if i know and I can, you know, tap into your digital files. If I can create and tweak slight imperfections. Just one thousandth. Yeah, just something small yeah. that would then create that part to fail that you were not anticipating. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole cybersecurity aspect to advanced manufacturing um, that I think should be talked about, mm-hmm. at least considered. 100%. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's all. Yeah, that that's a really um, eye-opening way to look at you know, our capabilities. When when I was at Barksdale, it was hard enough to communicate between two shops with uh, with CAD files for a water jet, um, let alone sharing those capabilities, you know, across the entire Air Force. Um, I, I always thought it was uh, interesting thinking of different uh, air bases and that, that share similar weapon systems. Mm-hmm. Hey, like, uh, whether it's a, a advanced manufactured part or even just basic blueprints, right? Things that when I was an airman, uh, you know, uh, in the back shop, like what what did I want? Like what capability did I want that I know that exists yet we haven't leveraged yet? Yeah. And there's just so many opportunities from 
from a tech standpoint, from a and not even just a tech standpoint, but just a communication standpoint, right? As to what can be leveraged um, to uh, add to the the knowledge base of um, of our airmen that are continually just craving for that knowledge, craving to learn um, how to do something um, faster, better, and not that they want to get away from the the old way of doing things necessarily because that there is merit in learning how to machine you know whether it's to mill whether it's to um to turn and, and you know on the lathe you need to understand the fundamental aspects of of machining um 100 yeah absolutely i 100 yeah. percent agree like you're never gonna fully in my opinion i don't think you're ever gonna replace um just that those fundamentals of understanding the machines and how how that interacts um but i think being able to train our airmen to be able to understand that and the advantages of this new technology and how to how to fully leverage it like you were saying that technical communication um Mm -hmm. is crucial i think you hit on that right on the head um and that's something i think uh we need to uh focus on for the future of, of how to train you know the the digital airmen is what I think they're referring to it as, or digital savvy, digital, mm-hmm. I forget the exact terminology that's used, but basically a generation of digital airmen mm-hmm. being comfortable with the old and also the new. Um, tenants is to focus on the fundamentals, you know, back to the fundamentals. Whenever you are learning how to do math, right, you learn, you know, you learn addition first, and then you learn subtraction, and then you learn multiplication and division. You don't just immediately go to calculus right Right, because they build off of each other Mm -hmm. so you need to have the like you said the foundation or the fundamentals down before you can actually make use of all the advanced stuff but that being said Mm -hmm. looking at how they complement each other because sometimes it's it makes more sense to use calculus in a situation but sometimes it makes more sense to just do two plus two yep um and thinking about how you know advanced manufacturing uh complements or you know can complement looking at it from you know you're going to have there there is you know some pushback from individuals that have been in the career field for you know for decades right that have been in for you know uh, 10 20 30 years plus we're not saying that this is an end all right right like this isn't the only option this is something that's going to make our lives easier and that and it comes down to the the leadership of um, of each particular unit to teach. Like I, my last shop chief in particular was really really good about teaching us the fundamentals, and um, he would always he 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 would tell us, "I'm teaching you how to operate in a forward environment in case everything hits the fan, because you're not always going to have a CNC machine." And uh, our CNC machine was broken, so yes, we don't don't always have a CNC machine. <laughs> but, um, uh, but also understanding, like, okay, like we're in, it's twenty twenty one, like, you know, we have um, other countries around the world that are leveraging this technology, and they understand the capabilities of it. Um, right. So, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of what you said, and it it comes down to a balance. So. I'm all for keeping things simple when it makes sense and not overcomplicating um, solutions. And I'll reflect back to when I worked at uh, 
a hydraulic cylinder manufacturing. We had a CNC machine. It was a lathe and it was down for like 48 hours. So what, six, six shifts. It was down. Nobody could figure out what the issue was. The part was, the, the chucks just wouldn't clamp the part and they were checking sensors. They were checking the chucks. They were making sure, you know, they were checking code, everything. And it took one person to go to the foot pedal, the clamp pedal, look underneath it and pull out one little chip, one tiny little shaving that <laughs> literally took down this entire machine. Um, and it was like, why didn't we think of that to begin with? So I'm all for not overcomplicating things and understanding the fundamentals and the basics. Um, but then being open to adopting new technology and when it can work in your favor and put you at the advantage, uh, you should totally um, take that advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, and you shouldn't just do things the way that they've always been done because. Um, so it's like prepare for the worst, but operate to the best of your capabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of how I would I would put that. We are creating aircraft parts right now for weapon systems. But it's not just aircraft parts. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are some other capabilities other than aircraft parts that the Air Force can, um, can leverage, you know, where we can use advanced manufacturing and um, to increase our effectiveness, um, streamline our supply chain, and help train our airmen utilize this uh, particular skill? Yeah, that's a really good question, and I'm glad you brought that up. Because, yeah, most people, when they think additive manufacturing for the Air Force, immediately jump to aircraft components. And while that is kind of like, you know, the end goal uh, to meet those supply chain demands, uh, right now in its current state, there are um, a lot of certification processes that go into place to make a component, any component, airworthy, whether it's non-critical or critical. Um, And I think the here and the now of something that airmen can really leverage is looking into things that are like like you kind of alluded to is support equipment uh like replacement components check fixtures jigs that that help you do your day-to-day process or like a customized tool that you can locally manufacture and get approved at like the unit level uh, and then send that out to similar units to to scale and expand that or get a, a to change to get that that tool added in and i think that's where like the here and the now where airmen can leverage the technology and it doesn't uh, require fancy certified expensive printers Uh, a lot of that can be accomplished and approved with like your hobbyist level printers that cost maybe a few thousand dollars Um, that you can find in a spark sale right that you can find absolutely so if you're interested in getting involved with 3d printing i would say look to see if your base has a spark sale Um, a lot of uh, fabrication flights actually went out and bought kind of a hobbyist level 3d printer now, you shouldn't have the expectation that, that that's going to be printing uh, air, airworthy components because that's not the case. Um, it's a very intricate certification process, and there's only a few uh, certified printers right now that you can actually use for air, aircraft components that meet the airworthiness standards. Um, but just getting familiar with the technology, I think, should be a huge push for airmen. Again, we only, in my opinion, understand what what we can actually experience or that's the best way to understand is to to go out and get that experience 
and, and build that that knowledge uh, with with what's currently available to you. Mm-hmm. Do you have any examples that that come to mind as to like specifically when it comes to whether it's a uh, local manufacturer, um, maybe age equipment that you've seen um, parts advanced manufactured? So an example of like a support um, fixture. Well, actually, it was a cover. So it was an airman. Um, I think it was out at Lake and Heath. It was for the F-15s. So for the heads-up display sight glass cover, um, during their maintenance operations, they have to remove that. And up top on the canopy uh, of the cockpit, there's some hardware that you kind of have to use your hand to to block out so you don't um, chip or scratch the glass. Mm-hmm. And this airman actually 3D printed a flexible cover to go over that sight glass and protect it. Um, so something like that, uh, that just as a protective cover, mm-hmm. it was something that they were able to design themselves and print one out mm-hmm. um, and then go through the proper channels to to get that approved. Um, so it, it's things like that that I think we can really leverage that technology, uh, 3D printing additive uh, today with examples like those. Like you'd mm-hmm. think it would come with a protective cover. Right. Um, but it did not. And we took the time, or that airman specifically took the time um, to do the right thing. And it's like, hey, like if, if this is if this is a component that's easily damaged, like let me invent something that's gonna, you know, that's gonna save us money in the long run, right? And I mean like the the processes that we've been doing for year for years on end, um, how many times do you think a technician goes out and was like, man, I really wish like I had this like little custom tool that would make my job so much easier. Like every time I have to like hold a weird position or do something and make a certain movement or this has to uh, fit a certain way where it's like, wow, I wish I had X tool. Mm-hmm. And like that's where I think we can leverage 3D printing here now where it's like, oh, you can design that tool and print it overnight. Instantaneously. Yeah, pretty much. And yeah. But imagine just doing that on a computer really quick chatting it up uh yeah that's that's good stuff yeah and i'd like to highlight too for things like that with like check fixtures um and support equipment there are databases um such as AFMaker um that was set up by the um national security innovation network that sponsors this it's like a repo um think of it like i don't know if, if you're familiar with like thingiverse where you go and download other cad files it's like open source that mm-hmm. others have made think of AFMaker as the Thingiverse for the Air Force, for all the the jigs, fixtures, buttons, non-critical stuff, mm-hmm. where you can now share your design to other shops. They can go in, find it. Like, oh, I have that, you know, similar piece, and I can just download it and put it on my printer and and have it. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't have necessarily the the uh, knowledge of how to CAD or uh, build it digitally, you can pull from others open source. And I think we're getting again into like the open source framework of how technology is shared or that technical communication piece. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome. That's so cool. Um, I think the opportunities are endless when it comes mm-hmm. to what airmen can contribute to readiness, you know, to the fight when it comes to advanced manufacturing because people can be just so creative. Uh, right. You know, if you see a gap you can fill it. And also, you know, thinking about it from the perspective that whenever you're an airman, 
and particularly in fabrication, you don't immediately start making aircraft parts. Right. You learn by doing age equipment. You learn by doing local manufacturers. You learn through things that are, or through projects that are far less um, at risk than like than an aircraft part, right? So mm-hmm. you, you learn, um, you know, you learn how to do the fundamentals before you, you work into uh, creating aircraft parts. And right. that's exactly, yeah. and I'm looking at that at a very granular perspective as an airman, but we can also look at that from, uh, from an Air Force perspective as well, right? Right. Let, let's learn how to do the basics with leveraging the technology you know, and increase that scope from just specifically aircraft parts, right? Um, to um, you know, taking into consideration all the other equipment that we have. Yeah, you learn yeah. which tool to use and not to use. You learn what works and what doesn't work. I think that should be the same with additive manufacturing. Um, I mean, you're not going to use a hammer for a screw. You use a screwdriver. Um, same with 3D printing. Certain things. It makes more sense to traditionally manufacture via a manual machine out of you know, metals versus a printer out of plastic. Uh, you just learn when and when not to use certain tools. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's very important because I would say a lot of times more than, than not, uh, we have this impression of like everything and anything should be 3D printed or use additive manufacturing where it's like, yes, it has the advantages, but at the same time, it's just at its current state, it's not better than what's currently available in the traditional sense. Mm-hmm. So just having that understanding of the technology and when and when not to use it, uh, when to use it as, you know, which tool to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Mm-hmm. This is. Yeah. It's just another tool in the toolbox. Literally. Or yeah. another machine in the shop. Right. You know, and Absolutely. I definitely cool. hear you. What do you think? Uh, what do you think we should dip into next, man? To put it in perspective of, how fast technology is evolving, it's like so hard to keep up. Um, and, you know, like tomorrow, your 3D printer or piece of equipment could be outdated because there's a new feature that was, you know, updated or released. And it, it, to me, it's just, it's amazing how, how fast things iterate today. Yeah. I mean, well, not even just today. We were talking about this the other day, right? Yeah. You know, where... Um, you know, 1903, the first aircraft was launched. A few decades later, right? You know, we're on the moon. Yeah. You know, but I mean, some people don't think we're, we've landed on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's like, think about it. Like, between 1903 and 1969, we had the, you know, the first iteration of powered flight, and then we put you know we put people on the moon i think that's incredible and then think about you know from 1969 all the way to to now to 2021 you know look at elon musk the other week mm-hmm. yeah. he he took off a rocket and and land well yeah the rocket blew up but i mean it's a better landing than i think. yeah they captured more data and got so much more out of that mm-hmm. um where that's another thing too that you bring up is we see like failure as a bad thing whereas we need to be in the business of seeing failure as um, in a certain sense collecting and learning to not repeat or to move forward from um, mm-hmm. so i mean yeah you use spacex as a, a perfect example i mean how many times did they have to blow up 
their first stage Falcon 9 booster before that thing literally lands itself on barges in the ocean and back on land, like, near every time, and then reused. And by um, the way, is filled with 3D printed parts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Turbo pump of the Merlin engine um, yep. is a 3D printed component. So the, And NASA even certifies um, 3D printed components for the International Space Station. Um, I know there's actually a couple high schools in, in Georgia that are with that program, that NASA program, and they let high school students help in developing and certifying uh, 3D printed components for the International Space Station. So it's wild. Like this technology additive is is going places, and I think it's it's starting to to really pick up some steam. Um, and I think very very shortly the Air Force will definitely be able to to leverage it and and take full advantage of it. Mm-hmm. That's a high school students. Yeah, that's so. I cool. mean, yeah, it's it's amazing. Yeah. Kind of just just looking at you know the education system focus on i think it's steam now science technology um engineering arts and math um just those that push so Uh, that's a that's really really cool i'm thinking now to how we can teach airmen across the air force about 3d printing just like you know some high school programs i mean if you get to work with nasa that's pretty cool uh, i mean there's i mean there's a lot of you know spark cells out there yep uh, that airmen can go to to learn about this technology and you don't have to just be in in, in fabrication you don't have to just be metals tech or and whatnot yeah absolutely i mean the technology is just so readily available in all forms i mean i have my own printer at my house that i purchase you can get a printer on amazon for like 200 bucks and i mean it prints little plastic figurines but it's it's becoming commonplace like having a normal printer in your house uh now you just have a 3d printer um it just having that to understand that technology i think is a huge huge thing that airmen can can utilize it i mean even going on youtube going on online forums you can learn so much by just reading about it mm-hmm. similar as you would read about anything else mm-hmm. um, if you wanted to kind of learn more about it just the resources, the information that's out there, it's just, you know, passion and the willingness to, to learn and, and try it out, I think is, is something we, we need to push. I think it's also important to mention to our listeners that DZ does not have a 2D printer. No, I, I don't actually. That's, that's <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. I have a 3D printer, but when it comes to yeah, 2D, I was like, I don't really have a use for one yeah. anymore. You know? I have more uses out of my 3D printer than, than my 2D. And a lot more fun out of it, too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, printing car parts, um, handles, or, like, little things that I'll break where they don't sell the spare components for them. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, man, now i got to spend $30 to buy an all-new, like, for example, my dishwasher. The little clip that holds the, the top tray broke off, and I went online to get a replacement, and they want you to buy the whole tray assembly for, like, $120. I was like, no, thanks. So what can you do? Grab that little component, uh, take some measurements, model it up, and then 3D print it for like 25 cents. Boom. Darn. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's amazing. And think about how much money we can save, you know, with, you know, aircraft components, with, um, you know, other equipment components, uh, you know, across the Air Force and how that can uh, help streamline our readiness. Uh, and, and enhance our readiness levels um, mm-hmm. just by you know, sheer cost savings uh, through shortening supply chains. Because um, like, you just shortened your own supply chain, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah. And I reverse engineered a component on my own. So, you know, think of that. Uh, 
you're at some forward operating location uh, in the future, a jet comes back with a broken component, and now you throw that component in a scanner maybe. You mm -hmm. scan it, you get the 3D model, and then you go ahead and you print that. And a few hours later, now you have a replacement part. Mm -hmm. And some things may only come in assembly. Mm -hmm. um, that way you're, you're literally just having exactly what you need, having the best use of your resources available, and you're getting that, that aircraft back in the air flying to mm -hmm. generate that mission. Yeah. So the bare minimum to generate the mission, I think, is like what we need to start posturing towards in the future. Out in the, you know forward deployed let's say um cct airman jumps out of an aircraft establishes an airfield um we go out we set up some connex boxes we set up some barbed wire and now we got an airbase um how does that airbase you know get off the ground and how do we sustain air power through that airbase we sustain that air power through that airbase with um uh, unique capabilities and advanced capabilities like um whether it's 3d printing right um and you bring up a good point too is when you're setting up that base instead of deploying with like the right parts and tools how is it it's deploying with the right materials to mm -hmm. be able to produce that because i think it'd be you know much easier to deploy with these sets of materials metals plastics in their raw material form and then you you basically manufacture everything you need once you get there and you decide what you need now you can manufacture that mm -hmm. uh, instead of trying to anticipate or bring everything you think you need i guess compared to camping like you know boy scouts we were both both eagle scouts yeah. shameless plug um <laughs> but you know <laughs> always always, be, always prepared. be prepared yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> and it's like anticipate everything now what if i told you like you could bring just like raw materials and then when you got to your campsite you could decide, you know, the kind of tent you need, if you need your cold weather gear, if you need your rain jacket, mm -hmm. and then out of your backpack, it just magically manufactured exactly what you need. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's that's kind of the future mm -hmm. um, of what we're trying to get to. That would save a, a lot of pounds off my back at Philmont. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, and then it's like, oh man, why did I bring, you know, um, the second pair of shoes or all this extra, you know, snow gear, and it's like 70 degrees out, Yeah, you know? Like, let's say you need a certain size bushing. Mm -hmm. Like with your bushing example, instead of bringing all the different sizes or the sizes you anticipate needing, mm -hmm. you bring the material to make like 10 bushings. But then once you actually determine the need, now you, you print it to the spec mm -hmm. or you manufacture it to the spec of what you need. Because now you might need. So it's better to have the opportunity to, you know, manufacture the bushings to what they're needed versus having 10 different size bushing and then only using one but needing like four mm -hmm. it's kind of like that yep yeah i think it's um important thinking about like those inventory costs right because those inventory costs you know are not just um yeah um, there's a storage cost to it too yeah how much you can bring and fit and it's like i'm just thinking back to like bench stock mm -hmm. um at the the field units it's like you have every type of um like fastener you know known to man you just keep it at the shop mm -hmm. where it's like I don't think you're going to have necessarily that that opportunity to bring everything with you. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like you'd rather bring just it in its raw form and yep. you know manufacture what you need. I can't bring that whole shit of metal with me. And um, agility beats strength every single time. Yes. Every single time. Yeah, that's a great point. 
Yeah. And the agility is where you also hear agile manufacturing. I, I like that. Yeah. Like agile manufacturing. Yeah. That, that's cool. Um, to kind of, uh, we, we covered a lot of great things to this point. We, we talked about what advanced manufacturing is. We've talked about additive manufacturing, subtractive manufacturing. We dipped into how airmen can apply it, you know, in the field today, uh, where they can get access to, to whether it's 3D printers or knowledge, right? And then we talked about some industry application. Mm -hmm. um, at the ground level, right, our airmen can make parts they think are necessary, right? Airmen, you know, having this creative capability empowers airmen to create, to iterate, to to try and to fail and to grow mm -hmm. um, and to to fabricate things that might not have been possible before, or things that they didn't think they needed to, right? Um, so. What about like empowering airmen to be able to like think outside the box, whereas if they're challenged, like we are giving them the opportunity to like design and create, you know, solve problems that they're facing, their pain points, and give them an opportunity or a way to solve that problem, mm -hmm. kind of using this technology. Whereas again, I, I keep going back to associating it to that, that, um, that future state of like, Hey, when you are out of options and the book, the textbook doesn't cut it, mm -hmm. you need to be able to, you know, think outside that textbook and utilize kind of your creativity and your knowledge of the technology mm -hmm. and use it to the best. No, that's uh, really good. Capability. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to um, Dan Ward uh, told me uh, constraints breed innovation, right? Yeah. Imagine you're in a forward operating base. You are responsible for the maintenance of like, let's say, a-10s because they're still going to be flying for years and years and years, right? Because oh, yeah. we love them. Yeah. These jets need to get in the sky. We don't have these parts. Let's get creative. Yeah. And now we have more capabilities to do that and right. more capabilities to get these these aircraft you know, back in the fight uh, to help um, those soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines on the ground getting after it. And, um, and we can get that jet in the air that much faster uh because airmen are now even more empowered and um you know flexing that creative gene to um to make the mission happen yeah absolutely and like you said like right now we operate and our constraints are pretty consistent or known but preparing and empowering airmen to be able to basically adapt and orient to the new constraints like the ones that we're not anticipating and being able to to prepare them to to face those those unknowns those constraints and be able to get around it mm -hmm. i think that's that's huge yeah that's, that's unlocking something unlocking the unlimited just potential the unlimited potential defy entropy defying entropy <laughs> at the end of the day um, yeah, the these are all steps to defy entropy. If you're passionate about making things better in your workplace, and I mean, this goes beyond just 3D printing, additive manufacturing, like new technology in that realm. It's just like be able to operate 
outside those constraints that are given to you. It's the the thinking. Um, and that's what I think the call to action is, is being able to create an environment or um, a mindset of just being able to think on the fly, under pressure, outside the box, just be able to operate in the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, be comfortable with the unknown. Go to your go to your local spark cell, right? Um, you know, hopefully there is a spark cell at your base, or there is one currently being uh, built. Yeah, and um, if there's not, that's a great opportunity for you to stand one up. Mm-hmm. And that's what you know most bases are doing. They're they're realizing that the spark cells are actually a very beneficial capability to have in their their toolbox. Um, and Alfworks is doing a great job with kind of helping those spark cells come to fruition. So if you're kind of on the fence and you're like, I don't know if I have time to do this, or I don't know if this is right, or I don't know, even know where to start. I think reaching out to Afworks, um, their spark um, initiative is a great start. Um, to us too, we have a bunch of members in the core cadre who helped stand up spark cells. So I would say, you know, reaching out to us too, we can guide you and connect you with the right resources. Because yeah, you helped stand up Dover Spark, right? yeah, or, uh, co-founder, uh, I guess, Bedrock, right? Yeah, Bedrock, Dover Spark. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was awesome, and I was so glad I was afforded that opportunity because it, it's pretty amazing, like what what a bunch of passionate airmen can accomplish. You know, rank out the door is it's just like that unlocked um, energy and passion within people who just want to make things better, you know, create that, that change and win. Can't we do this again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What rabbit hole would you like to, uh, well, to may, maybe we can, maybe we can pull in, uh, some LNOs into the, to the yeah, I think that'd be, yeah, that'd be cool to get their perspectives Yeah, and talk a little bit about kind of what they've seen in the field experienced mm-hmm. and yeah, I like that. Yeah. Let's do that. Good idea. Sweet. That's a wrap. Thank you again for listening to Tesseract Podcast. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and connect with us on LinkedIn. Any references to trademarked, copyrighted, or protected products or services such as books, movies, or businesses are used here for the limited purpose of education and professional development of Air Force Airmen. If you have any questions, please contact us at www.tesseractaf.com.